0: Welcome to the Startup Grind Podcast. Startup Grind is the world's largest independent startup community, inspiring, educating, and connecting millions of entrepreneurs across the globe in partnership with Google for Startups. These are the stories of disruptors, innovators, and game changers from the fastest high growth companies and venture capital firms in existence. Join us as we unpack their strategies, learn from their mistakes, and grow together. There's no time to wait, so let's begin.
1: Hey y'all, Chris Joniu, your buddy from Melbourne, back at it again, and I'm delighted today. Yes, delighted. Brings fireside chat between Sara Muskov, CEO and co-founder of Winnie. Winnie's a platform for modern parents. Allows mums and dads to find those fun activities. You know, sometimes we run out of those ideas on the weekend. Got you sorted when you check it out. And um, but also allows you to find quality childcare, and um, get some advice in real time from uh, on basically any parenting topic. She's kicking goals, by the way, are a million users in 10,000 cities across the U.S. And she's been interviewed by Elisa Q. Fetterman, our friend and international best-selling author and founder and CEO of Numaku. She's been featured in wide make and Forbes was named on Forbes Inc. and Zagat Surveys 30 under 30 list for her pioneering work in the food space. It's a great chat and they're talking about their fundraising stories. Enjoy.
0: We'll give a quick introduction and basically a synopsis of our fundraising path so far and then we'll really get into it. So my background is that I invented the home sous vide immersion circulator like for real. Yeah. Whoa. Thank you. (laughs) Give it up Clap myself internally. All right. Everybody who clapped gets a free (laughs) 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 Q. Too late. I've raised every kind of capital. We started on Kickstarter, $1.3 million on Kickstarter. Uh, We've raised institutionalized venture capital. We've raised corporate VC. Samsung is an investor in my company. Um, We've raised lots of angel. Um, We've raised on Shark Tank even. So we have a lot to get through. Uh, Sarah here is also a major hustler when it comes to the raise. Give us your background.
2: Hi. Yeah. So I founded Winnie um, about three years ago now. Wow. It's been a while. Um, Winnie is uh, an app that you can download and it's a website, winnie.com. And actually, I am giving it away for free right now. So I'll take a minute. You can all—it's—it's it's a free, it's a free app. Um, so it—it it helps parents find daycare, preschool, and other family-friendly places to go with their kids. I created it after having my first child and realizing this did not exist. It was impossible to find childcare. It was impossible to find things to do with my daughter. Um, and raised more traditional venture capital. Um, as well as Angel Investment, um, over a few different rounds of fundraising. So happy to talk about that and, and what it's like. So we'll just jump right into it. Sarah, Like I want to know,
0: um, how did you prepare for your first fundraise? What was that like? How did you think about it? Were, did you raise a pre-seed or went straight to seed?
2: Yeah, so it's funny because the very first round of fundraising, I was the least prepared for. We, I, I actually didn't prepare anything um, I actually like would tell VCs, oh, I'm not raising, like I'm just here to get advice. Um, and that was the easiest round to raise was that first pre-seed uh, where I didn't even have a pitch deck. I just had an idea. Um, and and really, in retrospect, the reason it was so easy was not because I was so unprepared, but because at that stage, investors are really investing in you. And so at that stage, I was pitching basically people I had worked with, uh, people that knew me, people who were placing a bet on me and my co-founder, and not so much the idea, like they wanted to know that we had an idea that they got excited about, but they weren't investing on the traction that we had so far because it was all in our heads at that point. Um, so that was by far like the easiest round. It was also the smallest round uh, because it was the pre-seed round. So
0: you started this company when you were already a very accomplished technologist because you're because you are at is SM.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, that short Twitter handle does not uh, correlate with accomplishment. But I did work at Twitter uh, sort of earlier on in its uh, incarnation, um, and I would also worked at Google and uh, Postmates and YouTube. Um, and a lot of the people that I would worked with went on to do really important things. Me, not so much yet, uh, but a lot of people I worked with became like famous or wealthy, um, which is great when you're raising money, because it turns out all those people are people that can potentially fund your company. So it was really helpful that I wasn't a complete asshole to people I had worked with previously, Um, I was like a moderate asshole because I didn't realize at the time you're supposed to be nice to people, Um, but uh, I wasn't a complete asshole so there was a lot of people that I could hit up for money when I started Winnie.
0: So what you did is you turned your social capital into real capital. That's amazing. So that's like something that we can all keep in mind. I like that.
2: That's a good way to put it. (laughs) Yeah. You were like,
0: okay, now let's take it to the bank. (laughs) Pretty much. My, my first round, I did not have a lot of social capital. I was 22 when I did a DIY open source sous vide machine, and I went to traditional investors because I thought that was the game. You know, you have an invention. This is my like cartoon daydream. I have an invention, you know, dun, 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 take it to the big millionaire investor and just be like, let's do this. Let's grow it together. I have a spreadsheet about like 80 investors and all. Everything next to it is no, 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 no. And each time it was different. It was like, you are too green. Nobody's going to buy something where you have to cook food in a plastic bag in the water, even though every single top chef in the world was already doing that. So then I was just like, dude, F this. I'm just going to go into credit card debt. This is obviously descriptive, not prescriptive. It don't. Don't do that, if, if, you, if you can help it. Um, I, I pray that you are independently wealthy, that you could just kick it off yourself. So 22, no funding, we um, went to China, and then when we came back, one week before our wedding, we begged our wedding videographers, like, please, could you help us make a Kickstarter video? We put it up on Kickstarter, it becomes the number one most funded project in our category. Yeah, thank you. And I'm glad I was also not an asshole to the investors. I wasn't just like, "Well, fuck you then. If you don't want to fund me." Because they all came back. They're like, "Wow, Lisa, amazing traction. How much money do you need?" I was like, "Huh? How much you got?"
2: <laughs> so what so what was your second round like? Yeah, so I think like the the takeaway from all this is like everyone is a potential investor, like even poor Friends that you have have some money they can invest. And so, like, there are a lot of vehicles for getting their money and leverage all of those vehicles, whether it's a Kickstarter or traditional VC or angel funding. Um, Our next round, we were like way more prepared uh, because we were gonna do the real fundraising thing and raise a proper seed round. Also, this naming is great. Like, you have like 50 million seed rounds before you have to start using the alphabet. Um, So this was going to be our, quote, proper seed round, Um, and so we prepared a bunch for it, um, and it was shortly after our app had actually launched in the App Store, and so we had, like, some very early numbers, and we were excited because we had metrics to put in our deck, and we could show, you know, what we had done, Um, and that was harder, for sure, uh, because once we started showing numbers and there was like actually something that we had built, um, investors were investing based on that versus just investing in like the vision and the dream um, and the you know reality after a month after launch is never going to be as exciting as the uh, vision and the dream. And so like we started getting a ton of no's um, and that caused us to take a step back and we actually got some really good advice from um, some folks who had invested in our pre-seed round, um, which was like, don't focus the conversation so much around what you have built because it's only been a month and focus more on where you're going and, and what the you know big vision is. Um, and when we sort of did that, which was hard for me, I'm a product person. And so like, I wanted to show all the cool mocks of my product and what we had built. Uh, but investors. They, they want to know, like, how is this thing going to be like a multi-billion dollar business one day? Um, so we took out all the stuff around what we had built, and we didn't even say we had launched anything at that point. Um, and then it started going better, because then the investors can sort of dream with you um, and, and imagine, like, where where this thing could go. What do you do with all those no's that you get? Does it mean anything? Like, how do you
0: separate the noise from what you should really change?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, No's are really hard. They were really hard for me uh, because I'm, you know, the kind of person who wants to be a good student and like do everything by the book. And so it felt like a rejection. Um, And it really, I really had to change my mindset. And when you're fundraising, it's more like a sales funnel. You have to assume that most things are going to lead to no at the end. Um, And when you sort of think of it like that, And really that you only need to get one yes. Um, You need to get that one lead investor, that one person who's going to believe in you and bring everyone else along. Um, It gets a lot easier. So I just went into these meetings assuming it was going to be no. And that was an easy assumption to have after I got like 20 no's in a row. Um, And I didn't get upset when it was no. I didn't think too hard about it. I was just like, okay, on to the next guy. And a lot of them are guys. Um, and, uh, eventually you find some that do believe in you, um, and some investors that you're going to connect with. And also like, it's important. It was important to me that the people, I I believe that Winnie is going to make a shitload of money one day. It's going to make me rich. It's going to make my investors really rich. And I wanted the people that get rich from this thing to be a diverse set of people, to be people that... I want to make wealthy. Um, I want that wealth to be like more distributed than just like some more white dudes getting wealthy. So it was also important to me to like bring on people that uh, looked different and were different than your traditional venture capitalists that you would imagine, Um, which may have made it a little bit harder. uh, But I think was like it felt like the right thing to do in the end. And I found people that I feel like I can really partner with for the long term and have been with us through like ups and downs
0: i i had such a hell of a time raising money i i did this thing that was first like a lot of folks thought it wasn't going to be mainstream i've written today i've written my second international best-selling cookbook on the subject i'm like come on dude there's a market for everything some some people buy like 20 million dollars worth of unicorn floaties a year like there is literally a market for everything And and it drives me insane, but, like, I got a lot of pushback because, one, I have an incredibly capital-intensive business. One update about my business is that we ship you now the food with the machine. So we're basically, like, Keurig or Nespresso for dinner. You wave it in front of the machine. It automatically recognizes the time and temperature. You can put as many bags in there as you want, and in 30 minutes, you have a gourmet meal for your entire household. Like, that sounds to the end consumer, F, yeah, that's what I want, to anybody who's done ops, um, who's been a, who's been an operator, they're just like, holy, how are you going to do that? I'm like, I done it. It's already live, (laughs) you know, and that, that is really scary for a lot of folks because it's incredibly capital intensive. What happened was I was like, hey, I just need more prestige in order to, um, in order to get attention because people are like, hey, you're a first time founder. You're what now? You have two kids, two small kids, a five year and a one year old. What do you do with them all day? You know, they'd be like, oh, where are they now? I'm like, oh, fudge. I have no idea. <laughs> <clears throat> See, when I talk about my kids, I I censor myself a little bit more, in case they're listening. <laughs> in the future, your mom at Startup Grind. But uh, so, like, we joined Y Combinator uh, in order to get that prestige. You know, if you haven't been through, like, HBS or don't have a lot of clout in the community. It's It is it is a pretty good stepping stone to join a prestigious accelerator, Um, whether one that you give up equity for like YC or HBS, where you give up money and time for it. It just depends. It gives you that extra layer of community so that when you step out when you step out and raise when investors do diligence, they're just like, well, have you heard of Lisa Fetterman? We've never heard of her before. And she's like, and then people will be like, "Oh, she was part of my YC clash. She totally fucking kills it. What a great, what a great lady." I imagine that's what people are saying. <laughs> <laughs> so it it really it really helped us um, going through Y Combinator to build that network. When we went to our next fundraise, um, people were very, very much more excited about us that we had this extra checkmark to our name. Was there anything in particular that happened to you that was like, whoa, that set your fundraise on fire?
2: Yeah, I mean, you, you bring up an interesting point, which is that uh, you know people said to you, like, oh, that's never going to work, when you had already built it. I think women, underrepresented groups, like you tend to be underestimated. And it's like we would get all the time, oh, that's a good idea, but I don't know. And it's like when we were raising our last round, we had over a million users in over 10,000 cities. And it was like, I don't care if you think it's maybe not a good idea. Like, look at the numbers, look at our traction. Um, but it's hard for some investors to separate like their personal views of, oh, I don't know if I really need to find childcare because I have you know a lot of money and I don't have to worry about that um, with what real humans actually need and use. Um, and so like, it was helpful for me to just remind myself that it's not me, um, especially our last round, like I raised when I was in my third trimester of pregnancy. So I was like walking in there like this big pregnant woman with a kid at home and another kid on the way and got all the usual questions of like, well, what are you going to do? Like, how is it possible? Um, dog crate. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah. And uh, so it's just helpful to keep in mind, like, especially if you're someone who's uh, underestimated because you're a woman or you're a minority, it's not you, it's them. And so, like, yes, you will have to talk to more people to get that yes. um, But the no isn't something you're doing wrong. It's just the patriarchy. Um, And so that was helpful for me to always, like, keep in the back of my mind. uh, And it just kind of gave me that extra push Um, I also, like, had a baby I was about to birth, and I was like, I need this money before I have this baby, um, which is another helpful push. I recommend pregnancy to everyone. Smash the patriarchy, get preg, birth babies.
0: So we have a great question that's, that's up here on our monitor. It says, to what extent is a, is a VC involvement or influence on your creativity, product, and services? Ooh, that's such a good one. Thanks, Tao O'Sullivan. Damn straight. Awesome. Okay, so I'll I'll answer that. Um, We had a quite intense VC. Thank God they were on a note. Samsung, Samsung Venture Capital. So they, obviously when a corporate VC comes in, they're looking for the strategic alignment and they're going to push on that. And Samsung put in the biggest check that our company's ever seen. So we were like, yes, master. (laughs) What's up? Um, it, It just like... We we wanted to we wanted to walk walk lockstep into that with them because we're like hey you're gonna you're gonna buy us someday probably you're just like taking a sample right now thank you so we're just like okay what do you want us to do um, we when we first got involved we integrated our app with their smart fridge so that you could tap on their fridge and know the inventory of your food da da da, da. and it was it was fine up to a point like I was fine with. Them influencing that part of my product to get distribution to the point where it did not disrupt our main goal, which was eradicating every obstacle between you and a delicious plate of food. When they had my entire tech team grinding five nights, you know, five days in a row, we get home at like 2 a.m. It's it's too much. It's disruptive of our core goal. So we scaled back on that. We're like, hey, this thank you for this opportunity. We finished the skeleton app like We got to, we got to focus on our margins or else you're not going to put in money in us again, right? You're just going to like bleed our, bleed us dry. And then the next round, it's, it's not going to happen. We're like, we're not going to reach profitability. So I, I'm fine with investors putting in advice and I'm fine with trying a lot of things. A lot of these investors are former operators. However, when it bleeds into our core goal, then I'm just like, "Er, gotta stop. Which one do you
2: want? OK, to how do you cold email VCs? I want to take this because uh, everyone always asks me for intros to my investors. And so like I'll you know forward over an intro and the investor will be like, yeah, this sounds good. Make the intro or no, I'm not interested. Um, and uh, actually, one of our investors, Hunter Walk from Homebrew, had had a great blog post where he basically said like, email yourself. You know, it's much better than getting this cold intro from someone um, who's not really going to advocate for you. And like, there are very few people I know well enough and know about their business well enough to advocate for. Like Lisa is one of them. She's sitting right next Thanks, to me. Queen. But I'm like busy building my company. I'm not like really involved in other companies that much. Um, so for the most part, like just because you see me on Twitter and that you know like Hunter is one of my investors, it's better to go to him yourself, write a well-informed email about the kinds of companies that that VC invests in and why your company would be an interesting fit. Most of these VCs, their email is very easy to get. Like, it's it's not hard. You can ask them, tweet them, look on their website. Super easy to find their email. Um, and, and it's much better to just email them with a thoughtful email than to try to get some third-degree connection of someone you once went to school with who may know your sister um, to write an intro that is just going to get a no from them. It's, it's also harder for VCs to say no when you email them directly to your face um, versus if someone passes on an email, they can just be like, eh, yeah, tell them no, I'm not, I don't want to meet um, so I highly, highly recommend you just reach out to people directly. This is what I did, um, sort of regardless of whether I really knew them or not, unless I knew I could get a really strong intro from someone.
0: So this is a quick one. Oh, there was one on here. What, inve- what uh, basically note did you use to take pre-seed and seed capital? Pre-seed for, for us, like we didn't know better before we dried White commenter. There's a safe note. Safe notes are And fabulous. Use them when you can. Um, We just did it on convertible. And then later, all the convertibles converted into a price round for seed.
2: Yeah, I actually raised my very first pre-seed round on a priced round. Um, I've also done notes and safes uh, for like interim funding. It's all basically the same at the end of the day. Like, there's not some huge trick. Uh, it, it's just, like, what is your cap or your valuation? Um, and you have to make sure that keeps going up in subsequent rounds or you're taking a lot of dilution. Um, so uh, it's really just whatever the vehicle is that makes the most sense for the investors you have involved and the amount of legal fees you want to spend. Uh, last question you pick, Sarah. Sarah. Oh, um, did investor feedback ever make you think you had to change the direction of your business or goal? Uh, yes, but really all I had to change was my pitch. It turns out, like, you can pitch what the investor wants to hear, and then you can take their money, and then you can build the thing that's actually going to make them a lot of money. Um, and and we figured out this trick kind of late in the game, um, and uh, it took one of our existing investors to kind of se- tell us, like, you know, stop talking about like the parents and the daycares that you're helping and talk more about like the data that you have and all this proprietary information. Uh, so we, you know, made our pitch sort of more data centric um, and less like touchy feely um, and, and it helped. <laughs> um, and so, you know, the specific trick for your pitch will be depending on, on what you're building, but I would just say like, you can pitch whatever you want um, it doesn't have to be exactly the way that you're actually going to build the company once you once you raise the round.
0: Thank you, everyone. This is our talk. If you want to fund us, come find us. If you want us to help you with funding, let the people who want to fund us talk to us first. Thank you for tuning in. To keep up to date with all things Startup Grind, visit us at startupgrind.com or join us at an event in a city near you. Until next time, chase the vision and keep hustling.